Welcome to the Diversity on the Hill podcast with Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Curcio. Here are the ground rules for our conversation. Respect one another. Openness. No assumptions allowed. Mistakes are welcome. And let's grow together. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome, everybody. We are so happy you're listening to the Diversity on a Hill podcast. This is PJ, and it's sitting in front of me is... PK. And sitting to the side of me is... PC. Woo! Woo! Everyone is here. Yeah! <laughs> That's the wrong sound. <laughs> Why are you laughing at that? <laughs> That's better. That's all right. That was the one. Sorry. My bad. So, have you... That <laughs> reminds me, when people... Like, oh, when you man. watch a show... When you were a kid and you watched a sitcom, did you ever really notice the laugh track? I yes. never did. It was just kind of part of the background. I didn't realize it. Do you no, realize I, it? I did. I paid attention to it, honestly. Dude, not only are you sm- nice, but you're smart. Uh, well. I have Very, my moments. Yeah, yeah. But they would say in front of a live audience, filmed in front of a live audience, the ones that said that, and I was like, those are the people laughing. Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. But it, <laughs> later on, you found out it's no. not even close. Nope. Not even, yeah. Have you ever listened to some of those shows without the laugh track? Like they have these things on YouTube where they have the exact same show and they compare it and it does make a difference. Really? Yeah. They're not as good as we thought they were. Wow. Those laughs make a difference. There's some kind of social pressure in there. Well, I heard that when they had like the live crowd, they had like a sign that would say like applause or laugh or whatever. Yeah. yeah. All right. I was going to go with a different story to start us off, but that reminds me of another story. Sure. Go ahead. Yeah. And I like it because it goes along with that. Have you guys ever been to a, a tape show? No. No. So when my wife was living, when she was a student at Loma Linda, I visited her a couple times because, of course, that's what I'm going to do. We weren't married at the time, but, you know. Good. You ought to visit. Yeah, yeah, I ought to visit. I was courting her, (laughs) right? (laughs) So as part of my courtship, I would visit her in Southern. I I think I was living in Northern California at the time. And so I went down there to visit her. So we decided to go to a show. Mm -hmm. We went to see Jay Leno. Oh, oh. Yeah. and we got in line nice and early. And what they did was they told us, hey, we'll guarantee you tickets because you had to wait in line and you weren't guaranteed tickets. But they right. promised a certain group we will guarantee you tickets if you go watch the Howie Mandel show as well. Hmm. Oh, yeah, So they were bribing people to go to the Howie Mandel show. That yeah. should have get that should have been like, well, wait a second. What's happening? But it was like, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was all into that. I, was, I, I wanted to see it all. So we went to the Howie Mandel show and we were right up towards the front for the Howie Mandel show. Oh, neat. And they had some guy who comes and warms up the crowd and telling jokes and stuff. And to be honest, he really wasn't that funny. Which one, the guy or the show? No, the guy warming everyone up. Oh, he wasn't funny. Yeah, he was just corny jokes. So he's trying to warm people up and get them in this festive mood. Right. right? And I'm listening and I'm just kind of like, looking normal i'm not laughing i'm not anything and everyone's laughing and they i think they do have a thing that tells you kind of stuff and first off this isn't the show so i don't need to act for the when the cameras aren't on right Right. i mean when the cameras are on all right game time i'll bring the (laughs) game i'll bring my game that's it you like to see the. that's all they needed to tell me hey listen when the camera's on you go i'm a professional i'll do it (laughs) (laughs) but the guy wasn't funny and the guy looks at me and he gets angry at me oh Oh, and he's like, "Listen, you need to you need to laugh when it's time to laugh. This is taped. This is tape thing, and people are watching." I was like, 
oh, okay. <laughs> okay. And he's he like, called you out, Andre. Yeah, he totally called me out. And he's Whoa. like, if you can't, we'll move you to the back. Uh, but that's what I was expecting you to say, is that you got moved. No, he didn't move me back. He didn't move me back. And then I, I was like, all right, well, I guess this is a... I guess this is some kind of interview process or uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I started fake laughing <laughs> and I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> so yeah, it was just this weird feeling like from yeah. then on, everything felt forced. He took the joy away from me. I don't think yeah. you realize like, yeah. no wonder you have to yeah. bribe people to come to see Howie Mandel. Right. Oh, well, yeah. Well, there you go. Hopefully yeah. we're not bribing you out there <laughs> to laugh. What if it was funny for you after the fact? It's funny for me now. I laugh. And you know, I would think that if you were having a show that was comedic, mm -hmm. you wouldn't want the person going to warm people up for that to be better than you. So True. there could oh, be a certain kind yeah. of strategy to yeah. being sort of mildly entertaining, but not like killing it. Because then otherwise, then if the show isn't that good, That's true. people are let down. I wonder if I should have said, listen, I'm saving all my laughs for, for, <laughs> for Howie. I love Howie. <laughs> I'm a one Howie man. <laughs> that, that, that. <laughs> yeah, that, that probably would have worked. Yeah. You, you know, you could have told them, what if you were funnier than I'd laugh? No, yeah. they, then they really oh, No, nah, they'd be like, get, yeah. get out of here. Yeah, yeah that's good point. Right. That's yeah. not kind. Anyways, I, your laugh track reminded me of that and all this laugh. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, if I would have pressed the right one initially. Right. Then the would you have gone down this road? I, mm. No, you see, you took us down this road. It was meant to be. So you're welcome. Serendipitous. Thank or, you. Or. <laughs> I'm sorry to no, whoever no, no. was like. Oh, yeah. If you're listening right now, you're like, I wish he hadn't pressed that button. Yep, yep, yep. No. Oh, man. Well, hey, if you wish he hadn't pressed the button, you can tell us. Mm. Where, Where at? Oh, look at uh, that. I, I beat you to it. You yes, go. you did. Diversity on the Hill at gmail.com. Diversity with the C. Those of you who joined us for the first time, we thank you so much. Now, there's another place that they could contact us too, right? Yeah, they could reach out to us there, but it's more like seeing pictures and letting you know when things are dropping. But our Instagram oh. account at Diversity on a Hill. That's right. As well. There's not a dot com or dot anything after that. Do you um, all outsource that or do one of you run it? No, we run it. That's why it's, you know, mm -hmm. it could be better. It's a local business. Yeah, it's a local business. <laughs> <laughs> Support uh, your local business people. No, okay. Yeah, sure. my budget's pretty low on this one. <laughs> I, oh, I, I spent it all on on the on the on the microphone you're using, so you know. Well, the oh, microphone. You're man. welcome. And the recording device here. Yeah, wow, that's how important fancy. you are to our podcast. Yeah, I'm yeah. feeling it. I got <laughs> headphones and everything. Yeah, working headphones. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, last time, poor Lisa had one ear in uh, one ear working, and then it was oh, like, yeah, that's uh, right. I forgot I don't about know what's that. Can you tell here? the difference? I can. Yes, <laughs> gentle listeners, <laughs> you have no oh, idea you. how much equipment I've got. Now she's listening to us in stereo. <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, all right well hey we'll be right back we kind of got a little uh hodgepodge of things that we're going to talk about today i believe it's called clickbait yeah a little clickbaity a little uh, on the hillish a little hillish because we're one of the things is not really from or are you introducing a new segment you didn't tell me about yeah maybe we'll call it potpourri oh <laughs> a little bit of this a little bit of that there you go all right wait we'll be right back And we're back. Yes, we are. Hey, guys. I think I shared with you a couple of these things, but I want to run a couple things by you. First one is, have you guys heard of the, this country singer that uh, got caught on video? We've been seeing a lot of that. 
People getting caught on video? Yeah. It's like everyone forgets there's phones with cameras in them everywhere now. Exactly. Right. Like, they're always watching. So I don't know how to say his name. Morgan Wallen? Had you ever heard of him? He's a country music star. I'm not big into country music, so I don't know. Neither am I. Nope. Nope. N- not me. Maybe Waylon? Uh, Morgan Waylon. Maybe Morgan Waylon. I don't know. I don't know. So, anyways, Morgan Waylon, he's a country music star. I don't know if he's huge or, you know, where he is in the th- scope of country music things. But he was recorded at his house. And oh, that's not even by fair. By somebody he knows. Yeah. I would assume. I, I think so. Well, there was, there might have been a party going on or something. And I've, I've seen part of the video, not the whole thing. And he basically is out there, hey, take care of this. And then he uses words that are, once again, inappropriate to say. And he, he gets, at TMZ, how does TMZ get a hold of all this? Mm. They got people everywhere, man. Yeah. I wonder, what, what if it was a TMZ guy who recorded it? Because they, they stalk these guys. But, like, you can get paid for submitting stuff like that. So, if, like, yeah. somebody thinks, I've got a good piece of video, yeah. they might go shopping for their own outlet, whatever they think can give them the most money for it. Ah, yeah. that's true, So, too. if you're a star, can you really trust anyone? No. No. You the can't trust no. anyone if yeah. you aren't a star. That's right. <laughs> Thank right. you, PC. That is so right. <laughs> well, I'm sorry that you need new friends, but... Um, <laughs> Legit. Yeah. I, wait, are we in that scope too? Um, no, my friend, okay. we right. have a small number of friends. Oh, okay. Anyways. So <laughs> we keep it safe. <laughs> so he's recorded. He, say, he, says, he says the word that is, you know, one of the big no-nos, and it's posted. And then there's some fallback. First off, I mean, he's kind of at his home. He's outside his home. He's on his driveway and he's, he's yelling this. My guess is, I'm wondering if he was drunk, first off. Mm. Is he drunk? Because mm. it seemed like maybe they were coming or going from a party type of situation. Yeah, he probably was. But there was a little bit of, of blowback. Do you think there should have been blowback on this one? We've talked about should there or shouldn't there. We, we even thought about doing a segment Fired or not fired? <laughs> I feel like I've, I feel like we're, you've kind of covered some of that. Yeah, like yeah. The fired, not fired, but you could jam them all together. Yeah. Well, this, this one, one a little different yeah. though, because this he wasn't at work. Mm-hmm. He was at his house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little bit different. So here's what happened. The I think his label dropped him. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And then uh, the radio stations, his radio station plays went down like seventy percent. Mm. So off the radio station. But here's why I bring this story. We can't bring every recorded one, but it seems like we are. I'm sorry if it seems like we are. But here's, here's the one that really gets me. So all that happened, okay, debatable, but his record sales went up. Yikes. Yeah, I think it was 67%. No, it depends what, what you looked. That's what the Associated Press said. But so one's, one said a certain album went up 100%. Yikes. And then I think part of his part of his... The Rolling Stone article I read said something about a thousand percent sales went up. Mm. Wow. His streaming sales went up about that percent, 60 or 70 percent. Mm. So to a certain people, he became more popular. Or were they curious? Yeah. So if you never heard of him, like maybe <laughs> us, you might go, who is this? Yep, you know, yep, yep. and like that's one way of looking at it. But would you have, you wouldn't have bought his album? You wouldn't be well, like, well, touche, sure. I don't yeah. know who this is, but now that he said that, I'm so curious. I'm going to buy his album. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> like yeah. I might have streamed yeah, one or watched it on YouTube. That's what right. I would have done. I would have been right. like, let me listen to this guy on YouTube. Right. I'm not wasting my time on on listening to him or getting to know him any better. Um, oh, why are you saying that? Well, 
It, I like I like what he just said. You know why? Because this made him to be the mean one for the first time. I like it. Yeah, okay. it sure did. Be mean. I mean, I am Please be mean. not going to <laughs> waste my time in trying to get to know somebody who obviously, evidently doesn't feel like we're all in an equal level. Loving field. Interesting, because when we talked about the UPS guy, you were very graceful. <laughs> very graceful to the UPS man. I was. I was. I was. And you were slightly graceful, I wouldn't say totally graceful, to the nurse. Yes, I was. So why the change of heart here? I just don't like country music. Ah, uh, that's where it comes from. <laughs> All right. Like, so it's like, it's I'm not like, going to bother because I don't care for not even the profession that, and, you know. And those other ones were like people and their jobs, not so much like artists whose music can be, like that wasn't really entering into the conversation of like whether you would, you know, go to that hospital now that that nurse is there or, you know, like it isn't, sure. isn't so much into that. But, you know, I mean, there's a long history of this. By long history, I mean starting at least in the 80s, maybe even before that, when people would be caught in compromising situations, if somebody, mm-hmm. what they used to euphemistically call moral failings or mm, violating correct. the morals clause of mm-hmm. your contract, whatever mm-hmm. that might be. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were, in the 90s, was it? Early aughts where um, the Seinfeld actor that used, oh, yeah. you know, anti-Semitic activity. Right. Acti- you know, so like, I think there- Paula it comes, Yeah, when it Yeah, when it comes to being like a- public figure and you're making your money by people being fans of you and they feel like I feel like with fandom people feel like they're kind of buying into the entire brand of who you are I mean that's very dysfunctional for whoever is making their living this way I mean it's got to be super hard on them but no question that I I don't think it's inappropriate for I mean my analogy for this, which is not quite the same as a private, it is not the same because it's not a private situation, but like the Dixie Chicks totally getting canceled with their comments against George W. Bush during the Gulf War, the second uh, Gulf yep, War. Yep. Great um, point. And there's a couple of other people that were like that, but their sales did not go up. You know, like, so mm-hmm. it's partly knowing your audience. So it's possible, like, the audience for country music was less tolerant of something the Dixie Chicks would said in that moment, which, of course, to be fa- very fair. Shoot, was it an interview or was it on stage? It was public. When I think they it might said, have been both. When they said yeah. he wasn't our president or something like yeah. that. They said something unpatriotic like mm-hmm. that, that they got canceled, you know, um, for not being patriotic. Yeah. So. So what do you think of the cancel culture? Do you think we have a cancel culture? Because if you notice then with the Dixie Chicks, no one ever called it the cancel no, culture that's right. then. Mm-hmm. That's a newer term. Right. And I have some issue with the term and, mm-hmm. and, and the whole thing. I, I believe it exists. I mean, just look at what happens. Different realm, but something that I am more familiar with, um, like in the NFL. Like people, if you don't produce, if you don't win... You don't have a long shelf life. Yeah, that's not canceling, though. That's well, the canceling would be when that NFL player says something dumb or does something you don't agree with that's off the field, and then you get fired. Or when you kneel. Or when you kneel. Yeah. So, so someone well, would say something on the cat. field, yeah. but isn't about the game. You All know? right. Because if it's if it's let's say the Dixie Chicks had produced two or three bad albums. Mm-hmm. 
the people are gonna be like, listen, no one likes you anymore because your music's terrible. Right. Can I say, I feel like we, we were, you guys were talking about this a couple episodes ago. I feel like that's a lot of what happens with comedians who like everyone, you can't say anything. And you're like, also, you're not funny. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, like it's sort of like people who are like, somebody because of affirmative action got my job. I would have been that. Like I know somebody who's like, I would have totally been in professional baseball except affirmative action. And you're like, what'd you know though? Like, I don't know. I know actually it's nice for you that you can blame it on that because that makes you feel better, but I'm not actually sure that you would. And so sometimes I think that there, we, in one sense, cancel culture has always existed because people would decide not to, you know, publish somebody, not to support them, not to buy their stuff because of something they knew about them. I think, I do think that there is a particular ideological spin on cancel culture, like that has happened in the last five to seven years where people who were, or I feel like it's more conservatives calling things that liberals do cancel culture, as opposed to it also has happened the other way. I mean, in, my, in evangelical Christianity, if somebody who was a musician or a pastor speaker or somebody behaved in something or came out theologically on something other people didn't disagree, they lost everything, you know? Yeah. And so that kind of thing has happened, you know, or you even got associated mm -hmm. with somebody. You even showed up at an event with somebody else, you know, well, I, you could get canceled. There was that big pastor, uh, oh, what's it? Camelback pastor? Was it the Camelback pastor? Saddle? No. Saddleback? Saddleback. Maybe yeah. Saddleback. Rick Warren? Yeah. I think he... Wait did a prayer at like Obama's mm. and they were going crazy. Right. Some of the evangelicals were going crazy. And, mm -hmm. but that's one of my points is I yeah. think cancel culture has been around yeah, forever, mm -hmm. but the term has been kind really of recent. more recent and hijacked because like you said, like with Chick-fil-A, they, you know, they've been boycotted. Um, other target has been boycotted and yep. all these other places have been boycotted for doing what it's basically, if you don't like what I'm if I don't like what you're doing, well, then I'm not going to. That's the same. Right. So when, when I when I said made reference to the coaches, when I, there's less tolerance mm -hmm. for any for almost anything that doesn't go in line with whoever the boss is, is what I'm is what I'm yeah. trying to get at. Right. So so they're basically get fired. They cancel their contract. Right. It's, it's right. kind of how that goes. Even if they signed a five year contract, it doesn't really matter. And I know that most people are like, well, they got to produce. Well, there were coaches that were producing just fine. Mm hmm. But because they didn't produce at the level that that the ownership wanted, they would get rid of them. So I take that concept now and I apply it to what's happening where people just don't have the the tolerance or the patience to deal with whatever somebody's doing. Like we're not extending that kind of. Yeah, but that's to me, I still see that a little different. I understand what you're saying, though. Yeah, I, no, I got you. Again, I'm not attributing it fully to cancel culture because right. obviously the NFL has nothing to do with, you know, yeah. unless they cancel the Super Bowl because whatever oh here's a good one how about what's happening with the mavericks right now that they're not playing the national anthem Ooh, that just happened i didn't know that yeah so so their point is it you know that's their way of protest mm. in other words and mark cuban is getting the owner of the mavericks is getting a bunch of questions about it and it's just kind of like this decision that we made i'm interested I'm, I'm interested to see if he would have made that same decision if all fans were allowed to come back to the stadium. I'm just curious. I don't know how they would treat it. It's an easy time to do it, but uh -huh. an easier time to do it. But he's paving, yeah. he's trailblazing right now. Yeah, I'm interested the about the whole playing national anthem at things anyway. Like, 
where are you supposed to play the national anthem and where are you not? Is like, is every, does every single event at which people gather in the United States need the national anthem and the Pledge of Allegiance? Or like, is it only certain things? I just think that there is a whole long interesting history about the overlap with sports and nationalism, mm -hmm. which is very interesting. Yeah. Also, I would just like to say that sports people get to feel like they're super patriotic with all of the stuff that happens with the military bands and the flyovers and stuff. But our tax stock, they are charging for that. So our yes. tax dollars oh my. are paying for all of that. That's part of the recruiting of the U.S. military. And those, yes. but the but the NFL and the other sports franchises, they all get to seem like they're being super patriotic by having those there, but they are fully making them pay to be there. And so anyway, it's a very interesting, like that the way the, the commodification of patriotism is super interesting. So so get this. This is, this is I'm so glad you brought this up. Because I also found that to be like, really, are you serious right now? And I know we kind of went. We we talked way about this once. It we did touch on it because um, I think it was was it Troy Aikman? Yeah, yeah, Troy Aikman. Uh, yeah. So so did you find something? Yeah, you're about so, to read something. So Go they're saying it. that um, flyovers mm -hmm. by like for instance the Blue Angels can cost roughly one point thirty two million dollars mm -hmm. taxpayer money. Because they were saying that the flyovers for some of these games cost about $500,000, pending on which plane is flying over. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Because at the end of the day, we're the ones paying for that. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of stuff that these owners, these NFL owners get away with, these billionaires get away with. And it's like in the name of Patriotism. Right, look good to be. I'm super patriotic, but you're like you're charging. You know, if you were really patriotic, you wouldn't do that. Well, but I, I is there I some mean, kind of symbiotic though relationship of there? Of course, yeah. So are, are they really? I mean, the military does have a budget towards recruitment, recruitment and it's huge for them. So if mm -hmm. they found an avenue where a bunch of young testosterone-filled men are watching and, and can feel manly, <laughs> and then you put the military in front of them. It almost seems to make like marketing sense. Yeah, but then when you mix it up with whether or not you have to always have the national anthem. So now what it has done is it's sort of normalized that like, oh, these are uber patriotic places. Whereas maybe they're like, this is a business where you're letting people recruit. But now it's supposed to be, you're supposed to feel emotionally about it and have a loyalty to it in a way that you don't necessarily always and then that's ma mashed up with like whether or not you have the national anthem and you do all that sort of thing. I just think, I just think it's interesting. And I, I think especially Seventh Day Adventists, I was just talking to somebody about how, um, like the fact that some churches, not all, I do not go to, have not ever personally gone to a church like this, but they have the U.S. flag at the front of the church. Mm -hmm. And this, um, yeah, within do. the Seventh Day Adventist church, yeah. And um, we have it here at Collegeville, anyhow. Wow. Go ahead. You can say what you're going to um, say. Most, most churches do. Most Seventh-day Adventist churches. Oh, yeah. The yeah. church, the district so I was in before so had it, too. So weird. Um, because, like, uh, you know, people on the outside who understand our theology and who we are as a church that really believes in separation of church and state and things like that, when they walk in and they see that, they're like, what the actual is going on here? You know, yeah. like, yeah. it's very interesting. That sort of, that way that where we unthinkingly, I think, lean into patriot and think like, oh, that's not a big deal. The same thing with like, we have to play the national anthem until you don't do it, until you try to, like, you don't think about the idolatry of nationalism until you, t until someone decides I'm not going to stand or I'm going to take the, not going to have the flag up there or I'm not. And then people are like, this is sacred 
in a way that like basically nothing else in our world is sacred. But it permeates a lot of different things because even Pathfinders, like they say their Pathfinder pledge and law and what have you, but they also pledge allegiance to the flag at every meeting. Every meeting. Every all, meeting. all of our schools. No, no, no. Well, no, the I'm schools saying too. Our yeah, schools yeah, as well, yeah. as mm-hmm. well as our schools. I have a very interesting relationship with nation, um, nationalism, pa- patriotism, oh, patriotism. Okay. <laughs> and religion. Because the older I get and, and the more I, I kind of realize what Seventh-day Adventist prophetic understanding is, it it does seem to be a little bit incompatible at many times. and. Yeah. It's it's a little hard to, to deal with at times, but at the same time, people love their country. Sure. and But see, the thing is, we Adventists come from more than one country. Yeah. And so, like, I think that's where, like, recognizing in our house of worship that, it you know, where this is a house of worship where you might have people from multiple countries. And so that helps, I think, temper it a little when you have a, your primary allegiance is the allegiance of baptism. Um, mm. and not citizenship. And so if my primary allegiance is baptism, I, yes, I also have, a, you know, I'm part of a, a sovereign state and we're talking about nationalism, the development of liberal representative democracies in my world societies class this week. And, you know, the fa- the development of this notion that citizenship means collective loyalty with other people around this idea mm. of who you are, which when you try to like nail it down, it's kind of difficult, but like, you know, so we, but we have this, even though it's amorphous, we have this notion of our citizenship and our, that being part of our identity. But I always want my, my bonds of baptism to trump that. Like I, and one of the things I maybe have shared with you all, I don't know before that, that I think about is who you are willing to kill for mm. has to be a very high marker of who you are loyal to. And it's not so much who are you willing to die for? It's on what behalf are you willing to kill? And mm. we have basically said in the modern world, killing for religion is not a good thing. No, no, no. Don't do that. Mm. You're not allowed to kill for God. But mm. if your state tells you to kill, line up and kill this people that the state has told you are the enemy. Yeah. And so I think for as Christians, as people who want the bonds of baptism and people on this, both sides of the baptismal, Christians on both sides of World War II, Christians on both sides of the Civil War killed each other because their states told them to and those bonds of citizenship trumped their bonds of baptism where they would say, I don't want to kill another Christian. Um, that's just something to just take on board and think about a second. For me. Wow, you, you blew my mind there with that one. I mean, yep. great thoughts. So we went from a country star <laughs> and cancel culture to nationalism. nationalism. Uh, I don't know what we're going to title this one. No, yeah, I, I have no idea where we're going. Random thoughts. Potpourri, potpourri, there yeah, you go. It, it does bring me into my next one, but yeah, I, I, I do want to add on to that, though. Our, our citizenship as Christians is in heaven. Mm-hmm. Our identity is in Christ. Mm. Yeah. And I have a problem. I don't think any Christian has a problem saying that until you do say, well, then you should be able to let go of the national anthem. You should be able to let go of the Pledge of Allegiance. But, but you know, it, this takes me to another conversation that I don't want to yeah. go down the rabbit hole, but we'll have the conversation later on at some point, or maybe we already mentioned it. But, but what, what PC was bringing up is also tied into the concept of when you're baptized, you're baptized into what? Because see, our church has merged membership into the Adventist mm-hmm. church with baptism. Mm-hmm. And other churches have done the same. 
But the idea is when you're being baptized, you're really baptizing just as a public statement that you decided to follow Jesus. Mm. So I've heard this whole concept of being baptized into Jesus, right? Like that kind of mentality. And I'm just saying, if that's the case, if it's that someone has decided to follow Jesus and is now becoming a Christian, mm-hmm. a, a.k.a. a follower of Jesus, right? Then that changes the whole ballgame also of mm-hmm. how we treat baptism and where our quote-unquote citizenship lies. And I think that when we attribute it to, you know, I get baptized and now because I was baptized by an Adventist pastor, like this is the dis- dis- distinction. Like, because if you get baptized by a Catholic pastor, then, okay, you're baptized into the Catholic church, you know, and then you you talk about all these other denominations that do the same, and the concept is, wait a second. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's fall back a little bit there, because not necessarily if you're baptized as a Methodist, if you're baptized as a Catholic, that's different because they sprinkle you. So we believe in immersion. Right. But if you're baptized by a Baptist, because they sure. believe in baptism. Right. If you come into the Adventist church, you actually do have the right to come in as profession of faith. Right. So we don't necessarily, now I know we. Some, but you're talking about no, 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 identity. No, no, no. It's kind of what you're talking about. The right. identity, because you're going off of what you were saying over PJ about um, your identity as, you know, I'm primarily my citizenship identity. And yes, my identity is supposed to be in Christ, but emotionally, I feel stronger sometimes to my national identity than I do actually emotionally to this. And I feel like where you were going with that, PK, is you were saying, when we're baptized into Jesus, that's kind of a broader identity. But a lot of times our kind of um, our emotional identity when we're baptized, because we do feel like, and sometimes it is actually on paper, whatever it's, whether it's by profession of faith or sprinkling or immersion, it's now instead of I follow Jesus, it's I'm aligned with this particular community of faith. Correct. And so, so my emotional identity might be, I might be stronger in my emotional attachment sometimes to the Seventh-day Adventist church than I am to the broader community of faith and I more like find myself anxious and worried if the Adventist church particularly isn't doing X, Y, Z, or I want them to do this or, you know, that's where I am investing. Right. So not the practice as much as what it represents is what I was trying to allude to. And yes, you're right. We do have profession of faith or what have you, but yet again, it's, it's the concept that you're baptized into this particular belief system mm-hmm. when in actuality baptism is just a profession of faith out loud just because there's no power in the water there's no power in the person baptizing you it's just an act that you do to cement or share or announce that you have decided to follow jesus so anyhow we don't have to that's well, another topic anyways, for another day. But well, all on, of this kind of ties into the next thing I was going to bring up, and I thought they were going to be somewhat distinct, but somehow we've tied <laughs> them together. <laughs> we have naturally go. segued into this article that one of our listeners has, has brought to my attention. It's from the Daily Beast, and it's entitled, How a New Religion Could Arise from the Ashes of QAnon. Now, I think you both read this oh, as I, I was sharing it. I have that, I have that have, sound. You have yeah, okay. <laughs> there you go. Ashes of QAnon. Well, that one's more like a joke. As opposed to like dramatic. Joke. Yeah, we needed like the, uh, do we have a dramatic one? No, not that one. <laughs> oh, that one will, that one will work. It's a little one. scary. <laughs> I don't know. QAnon. You know? All right. And, there, and it's done by Candace Moss. And if the past has taught us anything, it is that 
Failed prophecies and frustrated predictions don't always mark the beginning of the end for radical social movements. Mm. Now, why this article was so interesting is it talks about cognitive dissidence and why people continue to to believe in something even when it's pr- when some of its principles are proven wrong, mm-hmm. such as QAnon has basically basically before Trump was out of the office said, no, Trump's going to stay in. Somehow he's going to do this. You'll see Biden won't win. And all of those predictions failed, yet we still have a QAnon group. And so, but what was interesting about this article is that its main illustration or <laughs> parallel was the beginning of the Adventist church. Oof. The William Miller. The Millerite movement. The Millerite right. movement that turned mm-hmm. into the Advent movement that turned into eventually the Seventh-day Adventist movement. Yep. And I thought, whoa, that's kind of weird. And I don't like it. Yeah. Because I don't see us as a QAnon group. Lisa? Yeah. (laughs) Look, I mean, that's part of why prophecies are so interesting is because they are malleable and they can be reinterpreted in different ways. And that's for sure true. I mean, I think QAnon is bigger and more broad and involves more things than only the, quote, prophecy that, Mm -hmm. you know, that January whatever 19 whatever data was would come and go and Trump would still be in office that mm-hmm. there would not actually be an inauguration mm-hmm. so that was definitely part of it but I feel like there's a bunch of other things that were involved with it and so it is part of it that like okay that fails how do people manage to deal with that and I agree with you like to to be like people who felt like the world was going to end I my personal takeaway on our beginnings it's a very special thing to start a movement based on being wrong about something. Like I feel like the kind of intellectual humility, mm-hmm. the theological humility it takes to say, now I think I'm choosing that interpretation of it. I recognize <laughs> that that is not how a lot of people think, but right. I choose to say we are a movement that starts out from a place that's saying we were wrong and yet Jesus was with us anyway. We were wrong but even in our wrongheadedness, Jesus was there among and with us, even though what we dreamed and hoped for didn't happen. Jesus was there. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, I don't know if you noticed me turning yes, to you. I did. Because <laughs> while I agree with you, I don't think historically that has necessarily been the way it's been presented. I agree. That's, that's accurate. <laughs> we talk about yes. the great disappointment, but yes. with the disappointment wasn't that Jesus the great disappointment we talk about is Jesus didn't come back. We were disappointed. He didn't come back for the second coming. It wasn't like, oops. Right. What I mean, in, in essence, and I feel like the Adventist church needs to do a better job mm. of taking responsibility or mm. ownership of the fact that the William Miller prophecy was in part a <laughs> false prophecy. The, the way that even some of our colleagues uh-huh. see this, and I've heard this conversation before, and this is why you know, I'm bringing it up now. They're saying we weren't Millerites. Okay. But like they, they argue that, that that was William Miller. And it just so happens that some of the people that eventually joined Adventism or began mm. the Advent movement. That's interesting. May have strayed from the Millerite experience. But we as Adventists are not Millerites. Isn't that kind of like saying, and it's similar-ish, I guess, I don't know if I want to go down that road. <laughs> in the in the race things, isn't it like saying, "Well, yeah, we had slaves, 
but we don't have slaves, so that's not really that important to our history. And we don't need to take ownership of our history and where we got started. And here's why I feel like it's important we as a church take ownership of it, because it would allow us to be more graceful to yes. those outside of our church who aren't, un, who don't believe the same as our doctrines. But look, let, and, and I know Lisa's going to chime in here, but I think some of this idea comes from the fact that we want to be a part of winners. Yep. Not losers. Yep. Because yep. all I yep. do is win, yep. win, yep. win, no yeah. matter what, what, what. <laughs> so, so, so that's the deal. Like, yeah, no, go ahead, Lisa. I know, I know you're gonna. Our, we pick our ancestors. Mm. Like, you know, we pick what stream we want to be in. It's this is the same thing that people who talk about Western history or Western culture. This invention of this idea of Western history by Western Europeans in like the 18th and 19th century, where they like decide that they're the direct descendants of the Greeks and the Romans. They yep. they like they just picked their ancestors. There was no genetic connection between right. like the Greeks and the British in the 18th and 19th century, but they chose to like do that. And I think that is for sure. We try to do that, but also so so again, yeah, okay. I don't know what to do with people who are like, no, but they're not really like, at what point are you cut off that mm. I'm going to, I'm, I'm stumbling over myself here because like, as a oh, historian, she's on fire right as now. A historian, she can see like, her. she's like, you don't, get to pick, you don't get to pick like that. I don't, I'm not related to those people. It has nothing to do with me. And I do think we want to, especially as moderns, we want, we want to, to pick our ancestors. We want, a, you just exactly said it, you know, PK that we want to be associated with winners and, one of the humbling things about knowing your history is knowing that you you don't get to decide that that wasn't in your past and that those people aren't connected to you in some way. We mm -hmm. want to like say, that's not us. That's not us. Those people aren't us. Those people are acting like not acting like Christians. They're not real Christians. This is what my students like to say. Yeah, but they weren't real Christians. Like I'll say Christians have done X, Y, Z. Yes, but they weren't real Christians. Well, yeah. that's not, you don't actually, people get to define kind of who they were at that time. You don't necessarily, everyone thought those people were Christians. They thought they were Christians. Well, so, the identifiers you know. of that time, which is also right. somewhat identifiers right. today day right but the the challenge i think is also that our culture right now and particularly you know gen zers love you guys but the idea is um we are identifying now i say we i'm not a gen z but anyhow they as our culture we identify to us what is truth we identify things based on a lot of times our perspective and that's also challenging. But go ahead, Lisa. Continue. Well, they don't want to. They don't want to be. And I say they. I'm. T I'm tempted by this too. Don't want to be associated with anybody who makes any mistakes. So this right, is why people right. don't want to join a church because then no church is perfect. And I don't want to be associated with the mistakes that church made. Mm -hmm, I don't want to mm -hmm. be part of a political party because that party isn't perfect and it makes mistakes. So I don't want to be associated with that. I don't like. Ouch! We, you don't have to get personal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is, but it is kind of true. Like we're not joiners anymore. Like we're like want to be. I, I want. You're purists. Like unless everything. Is is perfect. But I think your point, PJ, is super important to come back to, which is when we acknowledge, I think our church has done actually a lot of pivoting away from some of its doubling down. So there's been some doubling down on prophecies in our past. What we And I think we do think differently than we have in the past about even what our... So, so what I always heard growing up is, okay, there was a mistake about what about 
what happened, but it wasn't the date that was the mistake. It was what we thought was going to happen on the date. And Uriah Smith gets a vision. And so then, you know, the people that would become Adventists reformulate their ideas about what's going to happen on that date. Right. And so in that sense, the article is sort of accurate in the sense that if you can pivot around a new idea, one mm-hmm. which is not necessarily provable mm-hmm. about what happened, because it happened in the celestial, you know, right, like, right. And something, you know, and these are hardest prophecy. Because there isn't something tangible to see Correct. like our other right. prophecies. And right. critics are going to say how convenient, right? right. And, but. but I will also say sometimes we have softened our thoughts about what that means or what it is or how central it is to our identity have evolved over time. But what we haven't ever done, and I think if we could ever be willing to say we were wrong about some stuff, if mm-hmm. we were ever willing to say, like, I mean, I think we have definitely changed up even since the early 80s when there were some conflicts. I've heard some people that were around during that time say we basically, the guys that we kicked out of the church in the early 80s, we basically collectively as a church have adopted a lot of their same ideas, but we've never said that out loud. Exactly. And so I think that doesn't set, a, for young people, if you're any young people are listening, like, it doesn't set a good model or for you if you don't get to see people say, here's where I was wrong and God has given me greater truth and greater understanding. Mm-hmm. And now I've, that, that to know that your church can evolve in its understanding as God opens more truth. We're Christians. We don't evolve. We grow. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. Yes. <laughs> my apologies. <laughs> aye, aye, yes. Aye. Um, anyway, so that's my thoughts on that too, is like that I do think that there is a certain truth to the idea that okay, QAnon people are going to figure out. Well, okay, that they're going to justify that didn't happen, but here's how it is because they're committed to that. Do I think that's exactly the same thing that happened to Adventists? I mean, Adventist people who became Adventists felt there was divine revelation. I mean, they sweated and worked over what we we really understood this to be true. Like, where did we go wrong? You know. Yeah, but my thinking also is like if if QAnon is something that is basing their understanding on the presidency of the United States and, and codes. It seems, it seems a little niche, (laughs) but it's, it's growing, man. It's, it's actually more out there than you think. I've heard heard some stories of some people who I know love and respect who have components of their beliefs in there. Like I said, it's, it's strange to me. It doesn't surprise me that it's growing because again, people have preferences. All right. But here's another component of this that I want to bring up. All right, go ahead. I cut you off, I think. No, no, no. It's all right. Go ahead. I just realized it. And I feel no, no, bad. no. Go ahead. Go ahead. See, you're so nice. You're too nice. No, what were you going to say? No, no, no. I just, I was getting to the point that people have preferences. Yeah. And if this is something that tickles their fancy, they may run with it. And we know that this has been so divisive and so many people have been polarized by what was taking place with uh, Trump's presidency and everything that that entailed that it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, that because you were like there was more people joining than I may think. I'm like, no, it doesn't surprise me. I would think that a whole lot of people are following this. That's gonna bring me to my next point. But first off, yeah, I sure want to say something first. I I have a problem with the people saying the Millerites aren't us <laughs> and all these kind of things because basically what we're doing is we're just cherry picking. Mm-hmm. We're cherry picking the best things of everyone else, and then we're totally dis. That's that's not taking responsibility. And that's what I was saying that our culture right now is doing because yeah. our culture is getting more and more self-centered by the day. So here's my, here's the other thing I was going to bring up the seventh Adventist church. I love it. I believe in it. I believe in his prophecies. Mm. I, I totally 100% believe in his prophecies. I believe 
so much so that that's why I have problems being nationalistic. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> because right. I believe in these prophecies. I right. have problems with being loyal to a party or to a country because according to our prophecies, that's danger, Will Robinson, danger. Right. Well, again, now I'm, I'm going to push back a little bit on this because I please. am like... I don't want to consider myself a patriot or whatever that sort, but I am happy to be able to live in the United States of America. No, I'm happy to be here. I think it's a, I think it's a, a wonderful country. Don't right. get me wrong. No, no, I no. am patriotic. Watch me watch sports during the Olympics. No, no, no. I'm right. patriotic, but I have there is a part of me that's like, Eesh, Jesus is my my king, and like PC was saying, that trumps everything. It should trump everything. Right, right. But but I'm but what I'm getting at is. With QAnon, if if the the presidency, which seems like it's the driver, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Trump's presidency to be exact, is the driver of what they're predicting and and believing and all this other stuff. Yes, we know prophecy. We understand that this is the land that can, that's going to speak like a dragon. This is mm -hmm. what we have mm -hmm. accepted as Adventists, <laughs> right? This is this is our belief. It has been in prophecy. For a long time. All right, so We're just so hiding it. <laughs> so with that thought process, you know, I get that. However, um, I I do thank God for the opportunities that I have while being here and the responsibilities that lie on me because I am here. Mm. And I think that that's where I look at it, where I'm saying, you know, I am patriotic. I, I, I don't mind saying the Pledge of Allegiance. I don't mind singing the national anthem. I don't mind that it's at sporting events. You know, I, I don't mind. I was, I was, there was a point that I want to get a tattoo of the flag on, you know, I, I didn't, but I'm just saying um, I wanted to at, at one point. And my wife was like, I don't understand your patriotism because coming from Puerto Rico, though she was, she's an American, the point was you don't have that kind of loyalty to the United States of America, especially when, when Adventism or your belief system trumps everything else. Right. And if your belief system trumps everything else, then yes, you're totally right. You're, you're at that place. And I'm not saying that you were wrong initially. I'm just saying I being born and raised here grew up with that. And it was kind of instilled mm. in me as mm. a kid. I mean, it, it must have been right. Mm. I wouldn't be where I am right now. Well, it, of course it was because every morning when you went to school, you were given the <laughs> national anthem and national uh, the, the Pledge of Allegiance. That's done on purpose. Yeah. The the TV shows, everything, all these things, they're done on purpose. It's an indoctrination of sort. And we do and I'm not saying it's necessarily bad because we do it with scriptures in the Bible. We indoctrinate our kids so that when they're old they don't depart from it. You don't think the countries do the same thing? Absolutely. And I also wanted to join the military at one point. Just as a thank you oh, for what that's, so what? That's why we're having this conversation. Right. So I'm saying you're that one of those. I am one of those. <laughs> so the idea and, and the truth is I still got another year if I want to join. But anyhow, the point is that I do have that embedded in me and instilled in me that I do have that patriotism. But I also know what prophecy says. And when push comes to shove, if my country that I love ever goes against my God, that's my boundary. Right. And and I want to push back a little bit too, because as I whispered, I think there's a danger with Adventism thinking that the dragon is speaking later, mm -hmm. that that time has not come. No, yet. no, no. I didn't say. No, I said the lamb that's 
spoke right, like right, a dragon. Right, but that's right. happening now. It's been happening ever since. Yeah. It was always. So what I'm saying is a lot of Adventists think that part is not happening. Yet. Oh, it's still right. a blessed, gotcha, wonderful gotcha, country. Gotcha, okay. It doesn't do anything right. wrong. Yeah, yeah. Someday that's going to happen. Yeah. Someday with the Sunday law. Yeah, it's a very futuristic like approach. Yeah. We, yeah. We, we base it upon the Sunday law, right. not against all the other sins right. of our country. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's what that's, people need that's to- what my colleague Kevin Burton has researched and studied. He said basically up until World War One, which was a highly patriotic time, Adventist preachers preached that this was happening, that the two horned beast was both like political, like that it was both for religious liberty and civil liberty were the both the problems that were with America. Like there was going to be both problems with civil and connected it to racism. They connected it first before the Civil War to slavery and afterwards to the sin of racism and trampling on black bodies. So that mm. was a thing that happened that Adventists were preaching that was ha- that they were talking about it now, yeah. not in the future. But uh, you can see that he's traced the sermons like around World War One and the 1920s. They start changing the language to a future time um, right. because otherwise it doesn't seem very patriotic at all and you might be subverting and especially in a time of war you don't want to you don't want to do that that's the worst time to be unpatriotic which is also what happened with the singing of the national anthem which began around world war one exactly at the sporting events yeah yeah and adventists have been on the side of people who would not like like actually there's a lady here in our community um in her 90s immigrated to the united states as a young woman and wouldn't sign the statement that she would bear arms because the adventist church said we don't believe in bearing arms mm-hmm. and if you wanted to immigrate you had to say i will bear arms to defend the constitution of the united states she didn't want to sign that like that was a and and like it was specifically because adventists had gone to court to defend immigrants rights you like it isn't she's not going to be a bad immigrant she's just like the rest of us here in the adventist church who have non-combatancy roles that we're willing to play um so you know, she was able, but it took legal action. It took the the Adventist church intervening for her to be able to fully migrate um, right around the time of the, of World War II to the United wow. States. So it, this is, I mean, we have a long history of like challenges with this and difficulties mm-hmm. with this. I would, to go back to kind of QAnon and prophecies again, I might mention a couple of things. One is, even though QAnon has a lot to do with specifically the Trump presidency in its beginnings, I'm not going to use the e evolve word, but things change. <laughs> well, they you know, things change. They're yeah. not and they're not biblical. We don't so like they them, so we can say they evolve. <laughs> things we don't like. Things we don't like evolve. If it's bad, it evolves. There you, um, go, there you go. Anyway, um, <laughs> so the, the, the but remember, like I don't know if you guys, you guys, I think you might be old enough to remember when the big terror organization we were concerned about was called. Al-Qaeda. Oh, yeah. And then about 10 years ago, it was a thing, which maybe not all of our listeners have heard of, but everyone was worried about this thing called ISIS. Mm-hmm. And oh, now yeah. <laughs> those aren't even things people remember. Does that mm-hmm. mean terrorism has gone away just because Al-Qaeda isn't as a thing that everyone's thinking about anymore? I don't know if it still exists as an organization or not. I don't know, but we're not thinking about it. Does ISIS exist as an organization or not? I think maybe a little bit, but it's not a thing we're really worried about. Does that mean that terrorism isn't around? Well, it may, might mean that there's less of an organization around it or not. It just might mean it's different and or it's not in the news, right? right? right. So any of those things could be true. I've not done the investigation currently to be able to tell you that one of my colleagues in the political science area can do that. But what I think this is true for something like QAnon is this energy around 
like no conspiracies and all of the low down, like here's stuff that's really going on and you think it's this, but it's really this. And can't you tell, can't you tell that person's not really real because something happened with the glitch, you know, on their nose, <laughs> the things so that it's been all, you know, like all the people that have, I just listened to a podcast on the development of the, this guy that basically lost a kid at Sandy Hook. Mm. He, his kid died, was shot in the classroom and he started getting attacked by people who felt he was an actor. Like there was this whole movement around the fact mm -hmm. that that wasn't, in, that did not exist. So there's a whole bunch of, of wow. things around that and how he was trying, he felt like it was insulting to the memory of his son, Noah, that people didn't think he actually existed or he wasn't real. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, this is part. So he like has spent his almost whole life just had to move tons of times, all of his personal information out there with tons of death threats. They played some of them. It was really hard to hear um, of people calling up and saying how they wanted to kill him because he had, he had been a, actor being paid to like pretend his kid was killed you know i don't wow. know why people want to say hateful stuff but anyway um that sort of energy around that can can shift it doesn't have to just be around trump's presidency it can be around other things later it may be less of a big thing in 15 20 years there may be there will still be conspiracy theories it may not be like this again just like is there still terrorism in the middle east maybe no but is Absolutely. it on our radar as much as it is no. it the tail wagging the dog for everything not necessarily mm -hmm. so that's my thoughts about that followed with um i think uh there i i think there's a lot to be said for this when you say this you talked about this guy's sales shooting up to take it back to the country singer. Oh, we're going to cancel. Bring it around full to, circle. Yeah, we're going to bring it around. Um, there are, there are uh, influencers who know if they hashtag certain things and if they they bring this stuff in, they will get massive following. So mm -hmm. it's so easy. Like there's people that are magnifying these ideas and it, the people that are researching this are quite certain that it's not so much that they're true believers as that if you're trying to like make you have your own business or do things that are influencing the fastest way to get massive followers, it's not, you don't get massive followers for almost anything like this sort of stuff. Yep. And so it that is an unfortunate situation that it is possible we may be collectively figuring out how to fix that down the road where you, these kinds of things aren't able to be magnified on social media in the same way that they are, mm -hmm. whether you call it cancel culture or not. But it may make, mean that you actually have to be interested in them to go after them as opposed to just like jumping on sort of this bandwagon. Ooh, taking back to freedom of speech too, how we ban things. Yep, controversy yeah, sells, man. So I, and I'm wondering this about the QAnon because I, like I've said, I've seen a few Adventists kind of lean that way. And here's another concern. Here's my biggest concern when it comes to our church and prophecy. Once again, and, and I was going down this road. Love prophecy. I think it's good. I think the way we've sold it and the way we've taught it mm. at times, however, has brought in people who are looking for the devil in the details and not looking for Jesus in his grace. We've done it in such a way that, so listen, the Pope, he went to a convenience store the other day and he bought Skittles. Do you know what that means? <laughs> that means the Sunday law is around the corner. Yeah. Because John Kerry, who's a political person, loves Skittles mm -hmm. and he bought them the same right. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you right. see all these tie-ins right. and it's these conspiracy theories and all these right. kind of things. And you're just like, to me, prophecy, for me personally, prophecy is more of a hindsight thing mm -hmm. than a foresight yeah. thing. When we look back, we see God has been great and he's proven it yeah. through his scripture. Mm -hmm. But if we think we know it all and know exactly how it's going to happen and look for every little detail of what certain groups are doing, we're going to see the devil. Mm -hmm. 
when our job is to look for Jesus. And I look at the, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine this morning. We look at the 10 virgins who were waiting for the bridegroom, right? Yep. I ask, I ask how many of them fell asleep? All of them. Exactly. All of them fell asleep. Yet for some reason, we think we're not going to fall That's asleep and the, we're always going to wow. understand everything. Yep. Mm. They all fell asleep. Yep. The only difference was they prayed for an extra dose of the Holy Spirit so that when Jesus did come, they were able to see it at that time. Mm. Yeah, and one of the things that I'm working on, uh, one of my future, I don't want to call it a sermon, but whatever it is, yeah. is, is the whole concept of the knowledge will increase. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. And knowledge is increasing, oh. but the truth is, are we ready and prepared to deal with that knowledge? Mm. Because the same situation, if you trace it back to the Garden of Eden, it was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Mm which we touched on a little bit yeah. Yeah. that God did not intend for us to experience. Not because he, we, God didn't want us to be like him. We were already created in his image. Yeah. But it was maybe the fact that we weren't ready to deal with the information, but I'll save it because I haven't fully investigated it. So I don't want to go in too deep into it. But the you point know what's is, interesting about that point Yeah, is, you know, they all say how the devil lied. Uh-huh. If you look at the devil's lies, he said, you, he doesn't want you to eat the fruit because you'll have knowledge. Mm-hmm. That actually wasn't a lie. And he mm-hmm. said, you will not die. And he said, you will not die. They didn't die immediately. They that didn't. was probably the closest one to the lie. Right. And he says, but you will be like God. Mm. We were created in the image of God. We were already like yeah, God. Wow. That's it. Wow. So Come on it now, wasn't don't, don't that, go too deep into my sermon now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, no, no. But no, to me, <laughs> that, that's deep is because we, we believe these lies in, in, in these kind of, but they're based in this beautiful wrapping of truth, right? Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. yeah, political people have an agenda. Yeah, political people are corrupt. Yeah, this church does this. Yeah, so then every little thing you have to pick in. in, Can I say, I don't, one of the ways we can know if the Holy Spirit is involved in something is by the fruits, right? Mm. Perfect love casts out fear. If something's Mm. making you afraid, that's not the spirit of God. If something is making you angry, mm. that's not the spirit of God. If something is making you violent, violent or or proud and condescending mm. towards others, that's mm. not the Holy Spirit. Like I just think so often if you're listening to something on the regular and what it's happening is stirring up like anxiety or, you know, anger or, you know, just some sort of of fear and self-protection and put up the walls that that's not coming from God. But here's, here's the the question though. Here's the question. If the message stirs it though, are we the ones who choose how it impacts us though? And how we relate to that information? Because I think that some information, like for instance, when I was a kid, the mere thought of thinking that Jesus was coming to me caused fear, but that's not something bad. That's actually a good thing. It's a good thing, but what was bad was why were you scared? It's because we were because we I didn't have the assurance of salvation, right? So, because we were we weren't sure of God's beautiful character, right? So and I got scared a lot because people were talking about a lot of running to the hills, and there was a lot yes, of persecution. Yeah. There's a whole lot of yeah. So I again, I don't mean that like the fact that Jesus might come that kids, especially kids, developmentally 
that's what what a grown-ups are there for, you know, is to help developmentally along the way. Like, because yeah, yeah. of course your emotional reactions to things are not always appropriate or healthy as a kid. And so you need to have that. But also as adults, we have to be super careful about, like people thought they were making the Bible stuff interesting and they were actually like scaring the living love out of us, like yeah, for yeah, not yeah. particularly good reasons. Like, right. That's a good that, one. That's an easy way. That is cheating. It is cheating as parents. Like my sister says. And by the way, this is coming from a professor. She knows what cheating is. And also someone who's not a parent. So I really know what I'm talking about when it comes to like parenting. Sorry, you Um, got this PC. Go ahead. But but it is so, fear is such a a cheat sheet. Oh, like yes. so with when you're parenting and if you can scare your kid that's the easiest way to control the behavior mm. right yep. you just give them a scare it's way easier than dealing with like you know if they're going to run out into the road you know quick get, get it you know because it's easier to keep to scare them so they don't run into the road so you don't have to do like the constant teaching and it's the same with preaching and with but that's perfect why love that's a fear that's why prophecy seminars have scary things on them yeah Mm-hmm. It's easier to bring people in fear than through love because love takes work and yep. time yes, and it effort. Does. Fear just takes, there's a beast. Yep. So to finally cap it full circle, I don't think he should have been fired because he was at home. He wasn't fired. He was just dropped from his label. Yeah. And he's made a lot more money. I wonder if the label's going, man, we really should have. But and, t- and, and you convicted me of something, PC, and I'm very upset at you. For convicting me, the Holy Spirit does the conviction. Yes, right. well, <laughs> there you go, PZ. Anyways, all right. Thanks for <laughs> preaching to the pastor. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but I realized that I was, as I was watching the Super Bowl, I was full of anger and angst, mm. and not as much fear, but I was definitely angry. And, and the fruits of the spirit were not shining through mm. as Tom Brady <laughs> was in his face. We're winning the Super Bowl. See, if so. we did more of this, yeah. we would be much more of an attractive place for people to come. Like we did much more confession yeah. instead of acting like, instead of like whitewashing ourselves and our actions that we're justified in like what we're doing. I mean, if we could admit that when we've been wrong and when we've gotten it wrong and applied it wrong and said, oh, we need to learn from that. Doesn't mean that that was wrong. Doesn't mean that God's talking to us was wrong. It meant like what I did with that wasn't right. Yeah. That sort of confession is just so much more attractive. Agreed. Yeah. But we want to know what you have to say about it. So again, diversityonahill at gmail.com. Or you could go to Instagram and see us at diversityonahill. Uh, we had something else that we were going to talk about, but man, this took us a, this was, this actually was a real conversation. Yes. Yes. I mean, they're all real conversations, but this one meandered and, and took a couple of different, uh, side points. Like, like we're just sitting in the living room. Mm. This was fun. It was great. We got to do this again. Yeah. Oh, we always enjoy having PC with us. Yeah. We got to have you more often. You got to free up your schedule a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I get here pretty often. I enjoy hearing you guys without other people. (laughs) All right. We we need a female's perspective sometimes. Regularly. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe. Because we can. Anyways. One of our listeners said she balances you guys. Mm. (laughs) So (laughs) it was like, maybe. There's other women, too, that would be fun to have their voices on. I don't. Well, we'll, we'll speak talk about for it. All women. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. But for sure, hit no, us up. you speak for all women and all parenting. <laughs> <laughs> oh mercy, PJ, you want to pray for us? Let's do it. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for being an awesome God, mm-hmm. for your grace and your compassion on us, even when we make mistakes, even when we don't do what we should. Lord, may we be uh, more accountable for the things that we should be. Amen. More graceful to everyone around us. 
as you were graceful to us. Thank you for this time together. And we just pray that all of our conversations will be seasoned with salt, seasoned with the grace of the Heavenly Father above. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Grace and peace to you all. This is PJ and I'm out. And this is PC. Bye. And PK here. Many blessings. Till next time.